Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Being said, I want you to take your Bibles, please. This is kind of difficult for me. We're in this, we're in this series of what does the Bible have to say about end time prophecy. And uh, this is our summer long series. But it's hard for me to go through these holidays, such as July the 4th and Independence Day, and, and not, not preach on that topic and that subject. So I hope you understand what we're doing as, we, as we're working through uh, this series on what the Bible has to say about the end times. Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 24. Matthew chapter number 24. Already we have shared several lessons from this passage of Scripture. I feel like I'm forgetting something before I get into this sermon too far. Am I forgetting anything, anyone? Anything? All right, okay. Remind me at the end then. Matthew chapter 24. We've already shared several sermons or lessons, teachings on what the Bible has to say about the end time uh, as already. We've talked about, we've answered the question, are we really living in the end time? That was our very first message that we shared. The next one we talked about, what does the Bible say about the rapture of the church? And we unpacked that and shared with you what the Bible had to say about the rapture. Last week we talked about what what does the Bible have to say about the Antichrist? Whenever he comes on the scene, whenever he is revealed, we shared with you what the Bible has to say about this evil one, this this crazy madman that's going to come on the scene. And the Bible has a lot to say about the Antichrist. Now, if you've missed any of these messages, they are all on the podcast. If you just go to victorychurchonline.net, click on our podcast page, it takes you straight to our podcast where we host all of that, and uh, you can click and listen to all these sermons online. If you have a smartphone, uh, or, and you can get apps such as the iPhone app or other type of, um, what are the, Blackberry apps, I guess. Anyhow, there are, um, there, there's a, actually a, an application you can get from our podcast, you can download to your phone, and it will notify you when a new podcast is posted, and you can listen to it right on your PDA and your smartphone. You can sign up for all of that online and get that, and you can get a hold of these messages that we're teaching. But today we want to talk a little bit about what does the Bible have to say about the tribulation? What does the Bible have to say about the tribulation? Now by tribulation I mean the seven-year period that the Bible speaks about. As a matter of fact, back in the book of Jeremiah, you don't have to turn there, but back in Jeremiah chapter number 30 verses 6, six through 7, Jeremiah the prophet inspired by God, talks about this day as being the time of Jacob's trouble. And then, of course, it's talking about the nation of Israel and the, and the difficult, very troublesome time that they are going to go through in the tribulation period. Okay, so we're going to be studying a little bit about that today. I'm going to tag team a little bit with Brother Paul, and he's going to share some with me in this message today. But as a way of introduction, I think there are, are, are really, there's probably many more reasons why the nation of Israel or why the tribulation period is going to come about. But I I think there's at least two reasons why the world is going to enter the tribulation period. Let Let me put a disclaimer out there. 
as I'm talking about that, this, and as I get further into my message this morning on my part of it, I'm going to be revealing some, some troubling material. I'm going to be sharing with you some things that may be a little bit scary. I'm going to be sh sharing with you some of the judgments and some of the bold judgments and some of the, um, the judgments that's going to be coming on the earth during the tribulation period. I want you to know this. As a child of God, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you will not be here for any of this tribulation period that I'm talking about. Okay? That's the good news. The bad news is we all have either family members or neighbors or loved ones or work acquaintances, people that we know that do not know and have not trusted in Christ as their personal Savior, those individuals that do not know Jesus will have to go through this tribulation period and experience some of these horrifying things I'm going to reveal to you about what takes place during this tribulation period, okay? So I just want you to know, as a believer, the things that I'm going to share today, you will not have to partake of if you trust Christ as your Savior. As a matter of fact, the church will be raptured out according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We will be with the Lord. The book of Revelation says, while we're there with the Lord, the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be taking place. We're going to be at a feast and a festival as the bride of Christ in heaven with Him during this hell that's going to take place literally on earth okay so I want you to know that as a Christian as a believer I don't want you to live in fear I want you to live in faith trusting in Jesus Christ your personal Savior I promise you trust in him he's all you need and he'll take care of us during the tribulation period but I think as a believer we need to understand a little bit of what's taking place this should drive us to be evangelistic this should drive us to be committed to Christ. This should drive us to have a heart and a concern for those that don't know Jesus and doesn't know Christ, okay? Now, I'm not just talking about going to church. I'm talking about being a believer in Jesus Christ. If folks don't know Jesus as their Savior, then they're going to go through a little bit of what I'm going to talk about. So what's some of the reasons why the God is going to bring this judgment or this tribulation period or this, as Jeremiah 30 and 6 and 7 says, this time of Jacob's trouble. Why are we even going to have to have this here on earth? Well, I think there's two primary reasons. The first one is to punish the Gentile nations. Now, we see in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18, it says, and I'm, you don't have to turn there. I'm coming back to Matthew 24. This is just by way of introduction. In Romans 1.18 it says, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. In other words, guys, there's going to be a day when God says, You know what? I've had enough. I've had enough of the sin. I've had enough of the, uh, of the unrighteousness and the wickedness that's taking place on this earth. And he's going to bring judgment and he's going to punish the Gentile nations for rejecting Jesus and living in their wicked ways and their sins and for not repenting and not trusting in him for salvation. Because of their sin, he's going to bring divine judgment on the earth during this tribulation period. Romans 1.18 speaks to that. 2 Thessalonians 2, 12-13 speaks to that. Revelation 19.15 speaks to that. We can see all through the Word of God where judgment is going to be poured out on the Gentile nations for refusing to repent and trust in Jesus as their personal Savior. That's one reason. What's another reason for the tribulation period that we're talking about? I think this may be even the primary reason. And I look at this one as a way that God will purge the people of Israel, his people. 
There's going to be a purging taking place. As silver is refined, as talked about in Ezekiel chapter 20, and Zechariah chapter 13, and Malachi chapter 3, this purging of the nation of Israel, God is going to bring about. Why? Because they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to have to endure the terrors of the tribulation. But what's going to take place, God is really preparing the nation of Israel to accept the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can go over to Zechariah chapter 12. And we know also in the New Testament, the Bible teaches us that the nation of Israel is, has been blinded to this day as a whole. Now there are some Jews that individually can come out and, and see the gospel of Christ and accept Christ as their Savior. They're called Messianic Jews. We had one of those back at Easter that shared with us when we were over at Cariel School and we went through um, communion, the Lord's Supper, and we talked a little bit about that. He was a Messianic Jew. He was a Jew that accepted Christ as his Savior. Individual Jews to this day can be saved, but the nation as a whole has been blinded. Blinded for what? Blinded until the day when God purges them and there's a remnant of them. And Zechariah chapter 12 talks about whenever they see him whom they have pierced, whenever Jesus comes back and he actually stands on the Mount of Olives, the nation of Israel will look on him at that day. And they will see the wounds in his hand, the wound in his side, the wound in his feet. And they will look on him, the Bible says in Zechariah 12. Him whom they have pierced. And the Bible says that a nation will be saved in a day. So this purging is taking place to prepare the remnant that is left to receive the Lord Jesus Christ whenever he comes back at the end of the tribulation period. Boy, I tell you, I need... I really need about six hours to share with you what the Bible has to say about the tribulation and then I would only be scratching the surface. The Bible has so much to say about this topic, but you know, our time is short. So the old uh, Jerry Reed song, the old Jerry Reed song talked about I got a long way to go and a short time to get there, okay? And that's, that's what I'm about this morning. So I want to talk to you about three things concerning the tribulation. The first one I'm just going to mention. I want to talk to you briefly about how the tribulation commences. How does the tribulation begin? We see that in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, and following. Look, if you will, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1 down through verse number 4 or so. It says, as Jesus left and was going out of the temple complex, his disciples came up and called his attention to the temple buildings. And then he replied to them, don't you see all these things? I assure you, not one stone will be left here on another that would not be thrown down. Now here they are at the temple complex. And Jesus looks at that temple and he says, listen, there's going to be a day when this is going to be completely destroyed. One stone will not be left upon another. They'll all be torn down or thrown down. In verse number 3, while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And then the Bible says, And Jesus replied. He started now teaching them. They're coming through the temple complex. Jesus makes the statement about the destruction of the temple. They get curious when they're apart with him alone. This is part of what is called the Olivet Discourse, 
when Jesus preaches this fantastic message out of Matthew 24. And here they are concerned about what would take place at the end time and the end of the ages. Well, guys, I don't have time. Actually, we've already spent a little bit of time talking to you about the beginning of the tribulation period in our message, what does the Bible have to say about the end times, or are we really living in the end times? So here we're going to see how the tribulation commences, how it begins. And it's going to begin with tremendous spiritual deception. There's going to be many that come saying, I am Christ, I am the Messiah, believe in me. There's going to be spiritual deception. There's going to be social devastation, according to verses 6 down through verse number 13. There's going to be all types of disruptions, verses 6 and 7. There's going to be desperation in verse number seven. There's going to be disasters that are going to take place. There's going to be disobedience that's going, that's going to take place. There's going to be betrayal and hatred that takes place. There's going to be wickedness and the love of sin is going to grow and take place. So we see this spiritual deception. We see this social devastation. We see this special, special declaration in verse number 14 which says this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all of the world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come and those special ones that are declaring the message of the gospel are the 144,000 that are mentioned in Revelation chapter 7 and the two witnesses that are mentioned in Revelation chapter 11 I don't have time to unpack all of that we've hit a lot of that through our messages up to this point so therefore we're going to go on past that okay we're going to pick up in verse number 15 We've looked at how the tribulation commences. Now I want us to look at how the tribulation continues. Let's see the continuation of the tribulation period. Remember, the church has been called out. We're at point two, how the tribulation continues. The church has been called out, okay? The church is out. We're with the Lord. We're there in heaven. Now the continuing of the tribulation period, which is seven years, is taking place. The first three and a half years, it's going to be peace. I mean, we talked about the Antichrist and how he's going to come on the scene and he's going to have all these answers. He's going to give a reason why all the Christians have departed. He's going to bring peace. There's, there's wars and rumors of wars, and, but he's going to come with a message of peace and he's going to be accepted. This one ruler is going to rise up, be a world ruler that's going to take place and he's going to allow three and a half years of peace. As a matter of fact, he's going to allow the nation of Israel to rebuild their temple. And by the way, the temple may be rebuilt before the church is raptured. I don't know. The temple hasn't been rebuilt yet. We do know, we do know the nation of Israel has gathered back together as a nation since 1948. We do know that the temple one day, that's what all the turmoil in Israel is about, is the temple mount and the holy ground where the temple is going to be rebuilt. We do know the temple will be rebuilt. It may be rebuilt before the church is raptured out. I don't know. But the Antichrist will not be revealed until after the church has been called out. And what the Antichrist is going to allow, he's going to allow the Jews to return to their old form of worship. He's going to allow them to come back into the temple complex. He's going to allow them to go back to the Old Testament way of worshiping God as they did in previous years. When, when they were together as, as a group of people. He's going to allow them. So we see the continuation continuing. But then, at the middle of the seven-year tribulation period, at three and a half years in, we pick up in verse number 15 of our text. It says, So when you see the abomination that causes desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. Now this verse makes reference to the Antichrist breaking his covenant 
breaking his promise, breaking his covenant with the nation of Israel. And it's mentioned in Daniel chapter 9 in verse number 27. And Daniel's talking about that day. He said, that's the day of the abomination of desolation. What's going to take place on that day? During this treacherous time, these treacherous days, what is taking place? This is when the Antichrist is literally going to say, okay, Jews, enough worshiping the way that you're worshiping. He will literally now, the Antichrist will literally himself sit on David's throne. And the Bible teaches us that he would demand worldwide worship. And the Bible tells us that they will worship him in that day. In Revelation 13, 1 through 8, the Bible talks about how that would take place and that would happen. The abomination of desolation, the days of Jacob's trouble, will take place during the middle of the tribulation period when the Antichrist himself will sit, assume the throne, and sit on the throne and demand the world to worship him in that day. Remember, the church is gone. Say hallelujah. Amen. We're not here. We're worshiping the true King of kings and Lord of lords. We're worshiping the true Lord God Almighty in heaven. But the Antichrist will assume the throne and he will demand worldwide worship. Have you ever stopped to think, what in the world is going to cause the world to worship such a man? What in the world is going to cause him to be worshiped? The Bible speaks to that briefly in Revelation 13 and verse 3 and as well as verse number 14. The Bible talks about how the Antichrist will be assassinated. He'll be killed during this tribulation period. But you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a coming back of life. He is going to come back from the dead. And the world now will see that and they will bow and worship to this Antichrist. And by the way, guys, you got to remember, everything that God has, Satan has a counterfeit. Amen? Even there's a counterfeit Jesus. His name is known as the Antichrist. And he will be assassinated, according to Revelation 13 and 3 and 14. He will come back to life, and the world will fall down and worship him. i got a question. Why do we reject Jesus today? I mean, this is the man that was crucified, and he was buried, and he resurrected after three days. Why does the world not fall down and worship Jesus like they're going to fall down and worship the Antichrist whenever he is assassinated and then brought back to life? Let me tell you the difference. Because Jesus comes, and he offers everlasting life. But the Antichrist will come, and he cannot offer everlasting life. But he will offer prosperity. He will say, if you'll just fall down and worship me, you'll be prosperous. And there's a world out there today that is so self-driven and so selfish. And the world is all about themselves and more material gain and more possessions. If there's somebody that will promise me that I will be prosperous, the world is going to fall down and worship such a man. Woo! I'm sorry. I told you, man, I, my engines get revved up. When I get into the Bible and I start, unp- man, it just boom, accelerates. And so I'll try to be dignified a little bit here on Sunday morning with you shortly. Okay? Boy, there's going to be treacherous days when the abomination of desolation takes place. We read in verses 16 down through verse number 29 that not only are they treacherous days, write this down. There, there's no PowerPoint slide for it, but, but write this down. They are terrifying days. 
terrifying days. In verses 16 down through verse number 29, I want you to know that this tribulation period, there are going to be days of a, of a horrible nature, the last three and a half. Almost unbelievable. And these days, I want you to see in verses 16 through 20, will be days of intense persecution. Intense persecution on the Jews. Look, if you will, in verse 16 through 20. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down to get things out of his house. A man in the field must not go back to get his clothes. Woe to the pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Pray that your escape may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. You see, Jesus reveals to the Jews that whenever they see the Antichrist come on the scene and whenever the abomination of desolation takes place, his main counsel and advice to the Jews in that day is what? Do you know what it is? Flee! Get out of there! That's his main counsel. Look what he says in verse 16. To those in Judea, you must flee to the mountains. If you're on the housetop, he says, do not come down to gather things out of your house. Get out of there! If you're out in the field working, don't go back to the house to change clothes. Get out of there! And then he gives a woe to those that are nursing mothers and those that are pregnant. He said, it's going to be tough on you. You're going to have a difficult time fleeing. We see that these are going to be terrifying days of intense persecution. And it seems that this will usher in a period of persecution against the nation of Israel like the world has never seen. What is the goal here? The goal for the Antichrist is to totally destroy the people of God, the Jews, from off the earth. We see that in Revelation chapter 12 in verse 1 through verse number 17. And by the way, when you read that, the woman that it's mentioned there is Israel. The dragon is Satan, the devil himself. Intense persecution. Not only do we see intense persecution, but we also see this intense pain. Look, if you will, in verse 21. For at that time there will be great tribulation, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Jesus makes a statement in this particular verse, in verse number 21. He tells of this horrific time in human experience. And it's a time that will, like will never be again on the earth, as he says in Revela or Matthew 24, 21. I want you to know that there will be two sets during this three and a half year of great persecution. There will be two sets of judgments that will be unpacked and thrown out on the world during the great tribulation period. These two judgments are what is known as, in Revelation chapter 8, the trumpet judgments. And then over in Revelation 16, the bowl judgments. Now you got to go unpack Revelation to get an understanding of all of this. But there's going to be intense pain. Let's look briefly at these trumpet judgments that will be proclaimed and cast out on the Jews and actually the entire world at this time. In Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 7, the first trumpet that we see as we look at the trumpet judgments is that one-third of the green vegetation on the face of the earth will be destroyed. In other, the, in other words, the oxygen levels are going to be come into play and be disturbed here. One-third of all green vegetation will be destroyed. The second trumpet, I don't have time to unpack all of these. Matter of fact, I preached a 60-message sermon series through the book of Revelation some years ago. If you'd like to purchase that, it's 45, 
CDs. And there's 60 messages on those 45 CDs that take you from Revelation chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Boy, you really need to get a hold of that to understand some of what's taking place. But these are the trumpet judgments that will be poured out on the earth. A third, the first trumpet judgment, a third of the green vegetation on the earth will be destroyed. The second trumpet judgment. We see in Revelation chapter 8, verses 8 through 9, and this is where one-third of the oceans will become blood. One-third of the life in the sea is destroyed. One-third of the world's shipping will be destroyed. I want you to imagine the impact that would take place when one-third of all of the oceans become as blood. The third trumpet judgment we find in Revelation chapter 8, verse 10 through 11. Perhaps this refers to some type of meteor that's going to fall into the water supplies and pollute a third of the fresh water in the world today. The poison in the water, then many more people are going to have this plague and then die of that as well. The fourth trumpet judgment we see in Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 12. Some of these judgments I want you to see don't necessarily take place on earth. Some even take place in the heavens. In this judgment in Revelation 8, 12... It talks about how the sun's light will be diminished by one-third. And also, one-third of the light of the other heavenly bodies will be destroyed. I want you to notice that before the fifth trumpet sounds, in the book of Revelation chapter 8, I want you to notice that an angel flies through the heavens and pronounces three woes upon the earth. Why? Because it's really fixing to get bad you say it hadn't been bad already nothing like what's coming it's fixing to get really really bad and that ushers us into the fifth judgment in revelation chapter 9 verses 1 through 12 where it talks about how the earth is invaded by an army of demons from the pits of hell itself and these demons have the power to torment men for five months but i want you to notice these men will not die but they will be tormented they will have pain so intense they will cry out to be killed and to die but they will not die they'll be unable to achieve death and this will be the day when hell will literally visit earth in the sixth trumpet we find in Revelation chapter 9 verse 13 through 21 this is a demonic invasion of the army that numbers 200 million that will take place and sweep the world the globe and everyone that's left this demonic invasion of an army. One-third of the human population will be destroyed. I want you to take note when this event is coupled with the fourth seal, it means that over half of the population of the earth has been killed. And what's the reaction of humanity? According to Revelation chapter 9, verse 20 and 21, they are still not willing to repent. Wow. I want you to take note of Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. I find this interesting. Before, notice that before the six judgments are poured out on the earth, the Bible says that there is silence in heaven for the space of half an hour. Silence in heaven. God calls for a time of silence in heaven. Possibly because his heart is grieved in the mourning that's taking place over the judgments that are fixing to be poured out on the earth. And then we get to the seventh judgment in Revelation 11:15 through 19. 
And this trumpet announces the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ and they introduce the bold judgments that are to come in Revelation 16. Let me give you those real quickly. The bold judgments in Revelation 16, the first bold ju judgment is verse number 2. There's some type of, of vile, cancerous sore that is poured out on mankind. I'm talking about days of intense pain. Some type of vile, cancerous source poured out on humanity. The second bold judgment is found in verse number 3 of Revelation 16. And this is where the waters of the sea are turned to blood and every creature in the sea will die. The third bold judgment is revealed in Revelation 16 where the fresh waters of the earth are now turned to blood. The fourth bold judgment we see in verses 8 and 9 of Revelation 16. This is where the sun's heat is intensified. Men's bodies are burned, literally burned by the heat of the sun. I want you to notice yet with all of this judgment, there's still no repenting taking place. The fifth bold judgment we see in Revelation 16.10. This plague brings darkness and intense pain on the inhabitants of the earth. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that the pain will be so intense that people will literally be gnawing their tongue in their pain, yet they still refuse to repent. Pretty horrible days, are they not? Church, are you getting this? The sixth bold judgment we find in Revelation 16, verses 12 through 14. This is where the Euphrates River is dried up. I want you to get this now. This is preparing a pathway for the nations of the earth to descend upon Israel for the final conflict of trying to destroy the nation of Israel. The seventh bowl that's poured out on the earth is in verses 17 through 21. And this bold judgment brings with it a terrible catechism in the earth. An earthquake, get this, of such magnitude that the islands of the sea sink and the mountains of the earth fall flat. And on top of this, all the major cities are destroyed. Hailstones, get this now, hailstones that weigh 125 pounds would literally fall out of heaven. I don't know about you guys. I'm glad I'm with Jesus. Let them mock today. Let them make fun today. Let them ridicule today. Let them call you Jesus freak, Bible thumper, whatever. I don't care. I'm with Jesus. Amen? Hello? Church, we don't have to be here for any of this. Wow. The abomination of desolation. Intense persecution. Intense pain. Matthew 24, verses 23 through 28, reveals to us some intense personalities that are going to come on the scene. I don't have time to unpack it. Matthew 24, 29 talks about an intense presentation that's going to take place. But guys, I just want you to see that during the tribulation period, as it continues from the three and a half years to the remainder of the seven years, the last half are going to be treacherous days. They're going to be terrifying days. But thank God, they're just going to be temporary days. Amen? Thank the Lord, they're going to be in temporary temporary days. The Bible says in verse 22 of Matthew 24, it says, unless those days are limited, unless they're limited, unless God shows grace, unless God exercises his mercy and his grace and his compassion, unless those days are limited, no one would survive. But those days will be limited because of the elect. Boy, I love Habakkuk chapter 3. In verse number 2, 
where it tells us that even in the midst of God's wrath, there's mercy. And he exercises mercy. The days during the tribulation period are going to be treacherous. The days during the tribulation period are going to be terrifying. The days during the tribulation period, thank God, will be temporary. We've talked about the commencement of the tribulation. I shared with you briefly the continuing of the tribulation. Brother Paul is going to come and share with you the conclusion of the tribulation. Thank God those days are going to be temporary. You know, we've heard all of our lives the phrase that's been used a couple of times here this morning. Pastor John has said it, hell on earth. We have no idea what that concept means. We've never seen hell on earth. They will see hell on earth. They will see the bowels of hell opened up and released on earth. We have no concept of that. Our worst nightmare will not come close to matching the reality of those days, of that tribulation, of the things that are going to happen to the people that have unrepentant hearts, that have hardened hearts, who have not bowed down yet. But Scripture tells us that they will, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But by then, guess what? It's too late. But people, God remembered in His mercy to limit these days so that all this is happening there is a conclusion this will come to an end this period is finite it will come to an end and thank God for that Matthew 24 30 through 31 says then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. They will, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet. And they will gather, and he will gather his elect to the four winds and one, from one end of the sky to the other. The peoples of the earth will see Jesus and they will mourn. But the tribulation period is coming to an end. And it concludes with these three things. The first thing that will happen is a trumpet that is announcing the appearance of the Savior. In Matthew 24, 38, it says, The sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. This means that Jesus will return in power and glory at the end of the tribulation period. Jesus is coming back just as he promised he would. And he's coming back this time, not as a humble servant, but he's coming back with power and he's coming back with glory. When he returns, he's going to destroy the Antichrist and his followers in one moment of time. Done. He's going to, he is going to judge the world in an instant. There's going to be no climactic battle. There's going to be no negotiation. Just bam. Victory. That's the power that Jesus is coming back in. These things are covered in more detail. You can read about it in, in, in Revelation 19. The second thing is the terrified sinners agonizing. Matthew 24, 30 goes on to say that all the peoples of the earth will mourn. When the world experiences the return of Christ and glory, they will react in terror. Why? 
Because they're worshiping the wrong God. They're bowing down now to who? To the Antichrist. When the real Savior comes, they'll recognize their error and they'll see their judgment and they'll mourn. They've gathered their armies together at Jerusalem to fight the battle known as Armageddon. It's in this battle that the scripture tells us in Revelation 14, 20 that the blood will run as deep as the horse's bridles. Can you imagine how much blood it would take to fill the earth to the depth of a horse's bridle? The armies of the Antichrist and all the other armies in the world will be destroyed, though. They're not going to be victorious. And what are they going to be destroyed by? They're going to be destroyed by the word of Jesus Christ. Not weapons, not guile, not deceit, but the word of God. The word of God will destroy the forces of evil. These people had refused to bow before him under grace. They would refuse to bow to him under judgment. Now it is too late. Now they choose to bow, but it's too late. The time has come for them to reap what they have sowed. They will be judged and they will be destroyed with the word of Jesus Christ. The word of God, the Holy Scripture, will, will triumph. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be cast alive into the lake of fire and their followers will be obliterated in an instant. Bam! Done. Jesus will return not as a meek lamb, not as a servant, not as the carpenter from Nazareth, but as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Can you picture it? Can you picture Christ coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah? Victorious and powerful. The third thing is the tribulation saints assembling. Matthew 24, 31 says, He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the sky to the other. See, after Jesus has returned, defeated his enemies, the armies of his enemies, who gathered together those people who believed the preaching of the two witnesses and the 144,000 Jewish preachers. He'll gather them together. They will be gathered together and they'll enter alive into the millennium. But we'll, we'll teach more about that later. So there's an end. There's a conclusion. The conclusion is what? The conclusion is victory. The conclusion is Christ coming back in his glory, defeating his enemies, and calling together the saints. To enter into the millennial reign alive with him. Can you picture the glory? Can you see it, church? Can you see this in your mind? All of the desolation that's already happened. Hell on earth has been unleashed. Millions have died. Christ is sitting on his throne. He's ruling on earth. The saints that believed in him are at his right hand, co-ruling with Christ. Can you see it? That's the ultimate victory. That's when sin and death is finally overthrown and Satan and his 
Antichrist and all of their followers and all of the demons and those who refuse to repent are cast into hell forever. That is a glorious day. Uh, we've, we've just touched the surface of this. We skipped like a stone on a pond off of all that Scripture has to say about this period. It's going to be more terrible than we can imagine. So this is what I ask you. These are the questions that must be answered. Are you ready? When that church is raptured, and this church is raptured, will you be there? Where do you stand? Are you ready for these terrifying times? If not, you can be. All you need to do is come to Jesus in faith and he will save you from all of that. All of it. We're not going to be here, church. You and I, if we're believers in Jesus Christ and we stand for what we say we believe and we run our race, we're not going to be here. We will be raptured out before all that we just described will happen. All it takes is expressing your love and acceptance for Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's what it takes. No need to make it any harder than that. There's nothing more you have to do. You have to run your race. You don't have to win. But you have to run as though you want to win, as though you intend to win, as though you're following Jesus Christ with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, because that's what it takes. If you do that, this will not apply to you. This is a footnote in history that you can look at and say, in the future, but not me, and not my house, because we have chosen to follow the Lord. That's what it takes. If you are saved, praise God. Praise God. But now you have a responsibility. This picture has been painted for you for a reason. Those of you that are saved, those of you that are not going to be part of this tribulation period, this picture has been painted for a reason. What is your mission now, now that you know? What is it that you are to do with this time that God has given you now? Your job now is to evangelize, to go throughout the world, to tell your friends, your co-workers, your loved ones about these days so that they can be with you in heaven when this day is occurring on earth. Your job, Christians, is to bring souls to Christ. Now, you are not to convict them. It's not our job to save anyone. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to evangelize, to take the starving man to the food, to bring the water to the thirsty, to show through our lives and our witness what the love of Christ is all about. 
to open the door for the work of the Holy Spirit. That is your job, Christians. Are you doing it? We've got a very short period of time with which to evangelize the world. God is withholding this judgment, not because he has forgotten, but because he loves us all and he wants none should perish. He gave us this time to evangelize the world. Let's make the best use of that time that we can. Let's run the race. Let's give it everything we've got. That's what I call you Christians to do. If you're not a Christian, if you have not done that, if you have not committed yourself to Jesus Christ, if you have not bowed your knee and accepted him as your Lord, today is the day to do that. Because this day, this day is coming. And it's not too far off. Everything is in place. There's nothing except the mercy of God that keeps this from happening today. You can't put this off. You can't prolong. You can't wait. You can't say that when I'm ready. You can't say that when I'm older. You can't say that when I'm done having fun. Today's the day to do business with Christ. Today is the day. Because time is short. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You want to miss this? Approach the throne of God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. You've shown us some things that are difficult for us. Difficult for us in our human perspective to understand. We ask ourselves, why would a loving God, people that wish none should perish, will allow this to happen? How can a loving God allow people to suffer in the way that they will suffer during this tribulation period? Because we, we can't see it, Lord. It's bigger than us. We can only rely on you and your glory and your judgment, which is part of your character. We have to trust in your word that these things will happen. And we know they will. So Lord, we ask that you move through the hearts of anyone here that is not prepared for these days. That you open that door, that you that you tear down those barriers that you open and open up the window to their heart let them see the penalty for rejecting you and for an unrepentant heart let them see the judgment but lord more than that my goal is not to scare people into heaven my goal is to lead people to you and let them lay in your loving arms so, Lord, let them see that you are love, pure and unadulterated, and that you are peace, and that you are salvation, not only from this, but from a lifetime of pain and from an eternity of separation from you. So, Lord, I pray today that all that heard this message and all that will hear this message, that you use it to reach those that have not yet been reached. That you use it to open those closed hearts to your message and to your love. You're knocking on the door. If they just open, you will enter and eat with them. So I ask, Lord, that you use this for your good and for your glory. I ask, Lord, that you convict those that need convicting. Then I ask, Lord, that you work in the hearts of those that already call on your name 
motivate them, put a fire in them, get them running the race for you, get them evangelizing, spreading the word, reaching the lost, saving the unsaved. Only you can do that, but only we are your hands and feet on earth. It's our duty to bring them to you so that you may work in their hearts. So I ask, Lord, that you use this for your good and for your glory and must save as many as we can from these days. Only you have the power to do that. So work with us and guide us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to have a time of invitation. During this time of invitation, if you were convicted, if the Lord is working on your heart from anything that was said here today, ask that you come forward. We'll pray with you. It may be that you are fearful of these days and you're uncertain about your position in Christ. We'll pray with you and we'll help resolve these issues. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you just feel distant from God and His work in your life. Bring it to the cross. Bring it to the altar. Bring it to this spiritual altar. And we'll pray with you. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.